Welcome to the Six Pack Dad Tribe podcast, where we help fathers unlock their full potential and achieve the ultimate balance in life. Join us as we dive into the world of fitness, nutrition, mindset, and fatherhood, empowering you to become the best version of yourself. Get ready to learn how to sculpt your body, strengthen your mind, and create lasting memories with your family. This is the Six Pack Dad Tribe podcast with your host, Tyson Johnson. Hey guys, it's Tyson Johnson joining you for another Six Pack Dad Tribe podcast episode. Really been looking forward to this interview with Kevin Hooks. He's a longstanding tribe member and what I call one of our motivational powerhouses. He's become a, a good friend just over the last several months, and I'm really extor- excited for him to share his story about just resilience and motivation, not just with weight loss and health, but just his overall life story is is very compelling and intriguing. I, I find myself being a, a better human being just by watching him and, and sort of trying to vicariously harness some of his energy. So I think uh, this will be really fun. So, uh, Kevin, let me um, let me just kind of flip it over to you if you want to do a, a brief introduction, uh, knowing that, that we got three tribe members here on the call, but there are potentially hundreds of people who don't know you. Go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us a little bit, of, bit about Kevin. All right. Thanks, Tyson. I've been looking forward to this as well. Like, I'm super excited about the opportunity. Love the work that we've been doing and love this journey. But um, just quickly, the backstory. So I'll do just quick three phases. The early stage you know, sort of current adult in the future. And so early, you know, just I grew up in Tulsa, Oklahoma, you know, one of those kids that just kind of grew up every stereotype you can think, you know, the projects, government housing, the whole nine. In the second grade, a teacher decided I was going to, I was gifted and talented, but she understood, she she didn't understand why I struggled in the mornings. And it's because I didn't have enough food to eat at home. So she started sticking me breakfast every morning in the second grade. And I quickly then, you know, matriculated through school. I did very well, never went to class with anybody I grew up with and never understood why, because we'd walk to school together, walk up to the front door and go separate ways. All of my classmates, none of them looked like me. None of them lived where I lived. And I got to do things my friends didn't get to do, like robotics and things like that growing up, speech and debate. And so that took me to college. I had a choice between going to jail and going to college. I went to jail. I went to college and did pretty well. And so after college, I just moved around. But I always wanted to do two things. I wanted to be successful, but I also wanted to serve. And I wanted to find a way to give back. And so I was successful and by every metric for 25 years from college till 50. A lot of money. I raced a private jet once from Santa Monica to Miami against Puffy. Like I did crazy things like that. I've spent time with every president since I was 21 years old, President Clinton until President Trump, either being an advisor or just a friend. And so I've done a lot of incredible, cool things. And two years ago when the pandemic happened, I got depressed like a lot of people. I, I, I lost eight million dollars in two years. I had $400,000 in a checking account when they announced the closure. By the time it was over, I mean, it's not over now, less than zero with no place to live. And so last June, I had got evicted. And so I moved in with a friend um, in Joplin, Missouri. And in Joplin, Missouri is when this journey started. I had nothing except the two trash bags full of clothes and a friend willingness to let me sleep on an air mattress in a bedroom in his garage, in a bed, makeshift bedroom in his garage, I woke up many mornings with fleas, and you name it. Now you're talking about a guy who 
I, you know, I'd spend a thousand dollars on a spa treatment. Now I'm sleeping on the floor and I got my clothes in a trash bag. And I, I thought I was the biggest failure in the history of the world. And then, and I was there for 28 days. I started doing manual labor, working in his lawn care business. I learned how to hedge, trim hedges and push lawnmowers and ride along, do everything a commercial landscaping company could do within 28 days when I was there. And it felt like I was in a rehab. Like I went and detoxed for 28 days, broke, poor, trying to figure out how to reestablish myself. And at the end of the 28th day, he got mad at me for silly reason and put me out. So I'm walking down the streets with trash bags and two o'clock in the morning in Kansas trying to find and a lady picks me up and takes me to a hotel. And I go to the lady at the hotel. I don't have any money, but I'm going to call a friend. Just give me a few minutes and maybe I can check in. And if not, I'll leave. A few minutes later, she walks over to me and said, God told me to tell you that you need to accept your blessings. I said, excuse me? She said, God told me to tell you you need to accept your blessing. And she checked me into a room for two nights, walked me over to the concession stand and said, pick anything you need. And by the way, here's a charger because I think you're going to have some work to do tonight and you're going to need to charge your phone. And I, to this day, still don't understand how that happened. I've not been in my adult life particularly religious. I was a child preacher and I was a church my, most of my, until I started running with gangs at 15, I went to church all the time. And so I had never had an experience like that until then. And literally she put me in a hotel room. The next day, a friend paid for an Uber to take me to Bentonville where he lived. And I got a ticket. I had enough freaking fire miles to get to DC and a friend said I could sleep in his basement. And I got to D.C., I was sleeping in his basement, and his wife didn't know, and she got mad and put me out. So I ended up going calling another friend in Philly, and he paid for me to come to Philly, and he's like, I can put you to work. And that's great. And at that point, I want to say it was like September, and, and you know, between all these experiences, we're like now coming to September, I'm working in this business, and I'm reading books, and I'm trying to get myself back together and that's when I found Tyson's thing online and I reached out to him. I didn't have any money. So I was like, but I knew I needed to change myself. So I started reading more. I was talking to this young lady who lived out, out West and she was just a source of inspiration. And we kept talking throughout and she just kept saying, but Kevin, cause she knew me during my success heyday. And she kept saying, but I know you're incredible. Like you're going to, and meanwhile, I was always me. And then I had you, I signed up with you. With no knowing I couldn't pay for it. And she said, don't worry about it. I was working enough. And if you can't cover it, I will. And when you and I started talking, Tyson, I would tell you, it was at the same time I was trying to go, I was, I was at that crossroads. I was going to just say, I honestly was getting ready to say, I don't care. I'm going to start hustling again because I know how to do that. And I had started talking to friends about going back into the drug game, anything I could do to get out of that situation. And you sent me that book, Atomic Habits and That Scale. And I promise you, <laughs> when I read that book, you know, I absorbed that book in two days and I lost my mind. I was like, this is me. This is what I can do. I am this. And I started putting those into, into practice. And in January is when I ended up getting a job as the first ever chief diversity and inclusion officer for any department of justice in the United States. And it was the largest economy, fifth largest economy in the world, California, first ever person. And I was like, I'm recalling telling you how excited I was. And I'm giving this message. Thank you. It's great. Two weeks and two and a half weeks in, I get two guys show with guns and badges. 
asking me for my laptop and my and my cell phone because they had seen a podcast that I did six years earlier about Bill Cosby and all the stuff that he was doing. And I jokingly said, what did he think? Because he was blind, he couldn't drug the women. And that was his defense. And for some reason that violated some protocol at the office. And those guys came and got me and I was terminated. Now I'm trying to recover. I was excited and that was a gut punch. And I remember when I woke up that Saturday morning after it happened, I was, I, I cried like a baby. I'm, I'm not afraid to tell you, I cried like a baby. And when Lauren called and I told her what happened with the same friend, she said, Kevin, all the work you've been doing and all the jobs you apply for, just let them know you're back on the market. You're going to be fine. And I, and I then I picked that book back up again. And I was like, she's right. And so that's the last two months. I'm sitting right now at a resort in Cabo. I flew first class. We have a suite looking at the ocean. It's the most incredible experience I have. I, for the last several weeks, have been interviewing with major companies. And I'm a finalist for four positions that are big positions. I'm still in the same financial situation, but the power of perspective and purpose is the most amazing thing. What I learned was your purpose can either be your prison or it could be your passport. And I decided I was going to make my passport to the next round of success. And that's what this has been about. The discipline I use through this journey and going to the gym and eating right and following the steps transferred into discipline in the workplace and in my personal life and everywhere. And I've just seen an uptick in everything I do in my life since this experience. And that's why I wanted to have this conversation today. Yeah. What a, what a neat story and an introduction, Kevin. And, and, uh, for those who don't know him, they may think, man, what a <laughs> what a unique story. Like it's not every day you hear about someone who's gone through everything that you've gone through. And as a as an active participant in Kevin's Polo group, all of us can vouch like over the last like when was it, Kevin? Maybe around September ish you, you yeah, joined September, the tribe, I think you yeah. said. Yeah, September, and I think. Yeah. Yeah. One of one well, of the reasons the why I wanted... is when I decided. That's exactly what okay. it was. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And and one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on here is if we think about who our audience is, like busy professional dads, 40 mm-hmm. to 60 generally or thereabouts, life's happening to all of us. Uh, I think it's just happened to you a lot more over the last year. But, uh, you know, right. I think about guys in your group, like we have a director of operations, you know, Michael, who's um, had to lay off guys and you know, Joseph burning the candle at both ends. And one of the things you've you've added so much is like, we've been watching this story unfold the last nine months where you've been moving from job to job of, of no fault of your own. And yet the next day, Kevin's showing himself working out in the gym. And Kevin is, you know, encouraging Joseph or Michael to stick with their journey. Um, so one, one of the things I'd love to know about you, Kevin, is like, what makes you tick? How do you stay so motivated and resilient and avoid, because a normal response with what you've been through over the last year would be to just settle and be discouraged and, like you say, kind of hop into ruin, and yet you just keep aspiring for greatness, and like, what makes you tick, and how can we learn from you? (laughs) (laughs) You know, I appreciate that. And I really do. I can tell you what I learned through this process was my biggest challenge in my adult life, even when I was successful, was I was I was 
being successful just on natural ability and talent. I mean, I was, I'm a smart guy. I read a lot and all of that. But really, I never understood what the steps were. And this journey has also forced me to do to self-evaluation. You know, one of my favorite quotes by Socrates is the unexamined life is not worth living. And so, you know, and then, you know, I've told you about, you know, how I believe in the Greek you know, perspective of paideia, you know, the shifting of the soul, making sure that you go from the unimportant to that which is important. And so when I think about what makes me tick, what I realize is it really is because of where I started from and America's version of the lowest rung of the socioeconomic ladder. Like, you know, many nights during the week when I was a kid, we, my dad, when we would say we was hungry, would say, go to sleep because you won't know you're hungry if you sleep. And so we called it sleep for dinner. So many nights during the week, we'd have sleep for dinner. And, you know, it wasn't anything unusual for me to come home and have a lock on the door and a sheriff up there. One night, I was 10 years old. I had to sleep with the sofa and all of our furniture while my mom and dad went to find a place for us to live. And one of my friends in the project slept with me because the sheriff had put everything outside. And so what I learned through that and all the other experiences growing up between, you know, I saw my first dead body at seven. You know, most of my family's in prison or, you know, or dead from gang violence. And so growing up like that, what I learned, the reason why I can be resilient now is because even in those moments when I'm in my last year, when I was, you know, it's the worst thing in the world to be rich one day and be a victim, you know, what feels like the very next day, because you're not expecting it and you don't really know how to navigate the world of being poor and homeless and all of that. Well, I had a lot of experience in that growing up. And so the way I reacted to that in many ways was based on that. But the difference between me and the other person in that situation is I'd also seen what success looked like. And so I knew how to navigate being survival, but I also know what thriving felt like and success felt like. And so once you felt that, you can't live. I can't go back to the projects. I mean, I could, but I tried it. When I slept on that air mattress with the fleas, I tried to just go back to that life. It's just not who I am. And so once I accepted, I can only be me. Well, me as a success person, I'm a change agent. I love people. I want to serve. So I said, you know what? If I can't help me, I'm just going to start helping other people and see what happens with that. And that's what I did. At my brokest, I gave money to people that I didn't have walking down the street. And then I was like, you know what? I'm going to volunteer to serve food to the homeless people behind my building here in Sacramento. When the California Department of Justice fired me, I went right there two days later and volunteered to serve the homeless. And then my gym next door, I couldn't afford to pay. I said, listen, I'll sweep the floors. I'll do whatever you need, but you can't not, you can't kick me out of the gym. And, and he was like, I can't, we don't need to hire anybody, but listen, pay me when you can. And my girlfriend said, I'm going to pay him. So she's been paying my gym membership for the last three months. So that's what it is. I just know what the bottom of the rung looks like. And I know it's not for me. And so my job is serve as many people as I can. And what happens is in serving others, everybody stepped up to try to serve me. Thanks for sharing. So let me let me kind of go a little bit health specific, if if I may kind of drill into some things since since we uh, we've kind of captured the overall broad life picture. Let's go back to September. And you mentioned you had a friend who was willing to invest in in you. What a, what a special friend! Um, you joined the you joined the tribe. Um, what the way I remember it is, you were in your early fifties. You're a dad. Um, 
kind of high teens or, or maybe around 20% body fat, if, if I'm right. Yeah, I was and 22. 22%. Okay. You do, you do keynote speaking. You've been an executive in the past. And from what I remember, kind of what prompted you to join was just wanting to have that air of confidence to the next level and suits fitting right and being able to present yourself as the best version of Kevin. Do, do you mind maybe talking a little bit more about like what prompted you to join at, at that stage? Yeah, I, I, rem, I remember looking in the mirror, getting out of the shower. I'm an athlete my whole life, like, you know, soccer, football, basketball, martial arts. From 20 to 40, I did every martial art known to man. So all I've known is fitness. And during that depression, I didn't work out one time. And I looked in the mirror a year and a half later, and I was disgusted. If I'm being I just, you know, there was it, my, my chest sagged, my stomach hanged over my belt for the first time. My clothes were all custom, so they didn't fit. And, you know, imagine this. I got a $5,000 suit on. $2,000 pair of shoes and a $25,000 watch and not a, I couldn't pay a, couldn't buy a McDonald's hamburger. And so I'm walking around these clothes that didn't fit anymore, trying to figure out how to survive. And what I realized was, well, first and foremost, Kevin, make your clothes fit again, do something simple that you can affect. And so I was like, when you look good and you feel good, then maybe you can start doing good. So at that point I was like, well, at least I can work. I can do push-ups. And then I just started searching like, what are some of the easy things to do working out, you know, to stay fit and where there's a community? Because what I realized, I need to surround my people, myself, with people who cared about fitness. Because the people at that job I was helping my friend at, he paid me $1,000 a week, come to his office to help him out, to make to organize. None of them cared about food. There was pizza and every kind of beer and drinks and every day snacks and every donuts for breakfast. And I remember saying to you, even I was like, dude, I... I'm the outlier in this building because I don't want to eat like that. And then it became a badge of honor. Like everybody, Kevin's not going to eat that. And then I started, my body started changing and I was sticking to the program. And I remember in the first month, at the end of that first month, I remember looking in the mirror going, seeing some progress, seeing some of that old look. My clothes was fitting a little bit better. And the one thing that really solidified it for me, and I, this is just pure vanity, this young lady was 27 years old, walked into the building one day. I had a T-shirt on and she was like, you look great. And I was like, thank you. That's all I need. <laughs> the next month was all about trying to hear somebody say I look great again. And then the next month after that was the shirts got tighter. And now I walk, I've been out. I, I never take my shirt off. And for the first time since I started this program, I was in public at the beach with my shirt off and I felt good. <laughs> oh, congrats, Kevin. That's awesome. So, you know, again, being a part of your polo group, I've learned, I've seen you air frying chicken. I've seen you working out in the gym. I've seen you doing all these awesome things that are maybe first for you, thanks to your peers. And uh, you're just a team player and participating. I'm curious what you have to say about the pivots you've made with your career over the last, say, year since September. Um, and you're you're still working to land in, you know, an awesome like executive position, a, a leadership role. How do you feel that your attention to detail with exercise and nutrition has helped these other parts of your life, like managing 
your stress, keeping your morale up, continuing to believe in yourself? Do you like, in other words, do you feel like there's a relationship between health and fitness and what you're going through pro- professionally? Yo, I appreciate the softball. That's beautiful. Because <laughs> you're exactly right. So what ended up happening was I realized when I started coming out of the other side of this, and I, look, I'm still in the journey on the other side, this financial thing or whatever. I mean, great spirits, things are great and happening. But what I realized was every time I opened up one of those tabs, remember, and I looked for it and I had to plug in my information or I opened up a tab to, and I did a wait and I plugged that in. Just doing the exercise of actually being intentional translated into my life. And so all of a sudden now I was like, well, I can do this. I read Atomic. I was like, what about my professional life? And so what I ended up doing, learning was if I'm as intentional about other things as I am about the discipline and intentionality that I show in my health and wellness, what would I get the same results? So then all of a sudden, for example, the things I started taking, getting new certifications, because I'd never done that in the past. I lived off my my background. I mean, when you've got my resume, I felt like it's going to be a line of people waiting to hire me. And when that didn't materialize, I started doing the work again. And I realized I'd been resting on my laurels for a decade. When you're CEO, you don't got to learn things. You make other people learn it. When you're CEO and you run a business, you ain't got to necessarily do certain. At least that's my attitude. And what I realized was, I was even doing a disservice as a successful CEO because no matter how successful I was, I wasn't giving it my all. So now when I prepare, I got five certifications. Remember, these are $1,000 or more certification. I'm still in this financial situation. I have five certifications. I bought more than a dozen books since then. And now when I prepare for an interview, I do more research and I actually do physical preparation now. Not only as I, after at the gym, and I'm doing my motivation and meditation and working out and I'm doing going through that process. I immediately follow that up because you're already energized and I go right into my when I'm at home. And then I start working. And what I do is I go, I'm going to be as intentional. If it's a job, I will write down every single job description listed. And then under each job description, write down exactly what I've done in my past, how it applies. And it's just the intentionality. I never did that in the past. I started getting interviews. Now, like I said, I'm a finalist for four companies. I got a a phone call today from a company looking for a CEO that wants to talk to me. But I know it's because I'm doing work differently that I hadn't done. I'm working harder. You want to be different, you got to do different. And that's what happened. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I think of, I think it's it's Stephen Covey, um, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, Sharpening the Saw. I think you're just a great example, Kevin, of someone who's, it's this dichotomy of humility and confidence that I think you're representative of. Like I have, I have the humility to go out and learn new things with my health and my fitness and get coached. And in the process uh, that is, that has sharpened my saw, so to speak with my health and builds confidence. And now like other areas of your life are that much sharper. It's just, that, that was a key point that I wanted us to talk about today. Yeah, we like to say we like to say we're not conceited. We're convinced where, where I'm from. And so I'm just convinced that this is the way forward. And I'm, 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 I don't mind telling people that I'm really good at something if I am, because they also see me admit the things that I'm not good at. And so that's the difference, I think, between arrogance and humility. It's I will tell you in, two, in the same two sentences that I've done something well, but I felt like, for example, the air fryer. Remember, I tried to make shrimp 
the healthy shrimp, and I didn't know you take the the the, the shell off. And so I put it in my salad. I'm not a cook, never cooked. This was two weeks ago. And I, I took a bite of it, and it was all shell. And I was like, oh, my God. So we all laughed about it. The next day I made it. It was a good, healthy, high-protein salad. And I did it right. But I don't mind that I did it wrong the first time. And I want to make sure that everybody knows. And what I the other day when that lady said, she said, I won't let you call me extraordinary because you'll use that as a crutch and explain why you can't do something. I'm just an ordinary person willing to do what's extraordinary. And so I was like, that's exactly right. Yeah, uh, that's powerful. Well, hey, so before we shift gears, I want to... Um... We'll, we'll end the podcast in a minute and move it over to kind of a member's event, just discuss some of these powerful principles you've introduced. Kevin, um, any kind of parting words when you, you know, let's, let's think about, again, our audience. A lot of guys who are busy in their careers, they're going through a lot in their life, managing their, you know, their families and trying to work towards a secure retirement. And maybe their health has been on the back burner and they feel bad about that. Um, I think them listening to your story is going to be motivational for sure. But any any kind of parting words for someone who does want to take their health to the next level and do what you've done? Yeah, one, I guess the only thing I would say is, is that your success in this health journey has absolutely zero to do with the information you do not have. It's everything to do with information you already have that you're not putting into action. So every single day, we know what it takes to be healthy. All of us do. The reason why this works is because every day we also need somebody to remind us and be on the journey with us, especially on the days we don't want to do it. And so not only is this success a marathon of consistency, but it's 100 percent within you. You're currently enough right now to be whatever you want to be in this journey. Challenges is that. You need people to help you. What's the old saying? If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. And that's what I, I see in all of this is I embrace this because there are days where I don't have energy and I'm manual. I'll muster the energy for my cohort. There are days I don't want to do this, but I go, I'm not doing this today for me. I'm doing this for Joseph and Mike. I'm doing this for the tribe. I'm doing this for the other people in the group that may be struggling today. They have five kids. I don't have five kids. I should be able to get up. I don't have a job. I should be the fittest person in the tribe. And I'm just, you know, you look at it like that and it's just a whole different game. Guys, you're listening to the Six Pack Dad Tribe podcast episode. If we can serve you, if uh, this can bless your life and you want to have a call with us, please go to the sixpackdadtribe.com forward slash call. And uh, let's have you be the next Kevin success story. Kevin, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Six Pack Dad Tribe podcast. We hope you found value and inspiration in today's discussion. To listen to any of the previous episodes of our podcast, learn more about our personalized one-on-one fat loss and nutrition coaching, or connect with our vibrant community of like-minded dads, head over to our website at thesixpackdadtribe.com. 